Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah with Glen Oaks Escrow. And we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the LA Realtor Podcast. This is Paul Dushevsky with Great Builds. We are without half of our team today. Sarah is not with us, unfortunately. We will miss Sarah dearly, but uh, the show must go on. But we have a great guest and a, uh, I think an interesting topic. So today we're going to be talking everything about ADUs. We're going to learn everything you haven't already learned already. And we have a great guest. She's a team member of mine and she deals in ADUs on a regular basis. So she is a great resource. Stephanie Lavelle, who is Director of Client Success at Great Belts. Hi, Steph. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on your podcast. So I can't wait to learn from you, but I have to tell everyone that um, among other things, you have you have a lot of talents, but one of the <laughs> talents I love about you is uh, that you can do accents on command. <laughs> wow. Setting me up immediately. You got it. I, I, I can. Well, tell, it's one of your talents. So I, it's kind of, it'd kind of be funny, but like we could do this, we could do the first half of this podcast and you could do a British accent in the back half with a country accent and then a Russian accent and Israeli accent. So Y'all aren't um, wrong. It's we true. could do I that. Could do, I could do that if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, do another one. <laughs> what's, uh, what's one of your favorites? Well, Southern is definitely my favorite, and I think there's <laughs> different types of Southern. Can you tell me what ADU stands for in a, uh, in a Russian accent? The ADU is accessory dwelling unit. <laughs> is for where you put your parents when they are old. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's perfect. I think that's exactly what a Russian person would say. So you you nailed it. You n- how about a how about an ode to the queen that that uh, passed not too long ago in your best British? An accessory dwelling unit is somewhere <laughs> I might visit if I were to stop in for you know pop by LA for a few months i might want to rent an adu or a flat of sorts that would be a big adu if you were the queen right but uh <laughs> poor queen <sighs> i know yeah i mean can we be too sad i mean she was she had mm-hmm. quite a life mm-hmm. i really i think we should honor but not be sad about it i mean yeah. we all knew this was coming right she was uh, well aged 96 and she i mean just a pretty incredible life there for 96. Years. I, yeah, I was told on, uh, from a good source that the queen loves ADUs. So I think this is good, uh, a good way to good way. <laughs> fact check to that. Yeah. That is accurate. So no need to look that up. Good, people listening. Good way to honor her. All right. So let's jump it. Let's jump it. All right. So we told people what ADU stands for. What, what are they? What, what, what are you building when you're building an ADU? I mean, really you're building a small house, right? You're building the ADU, a maximum size is 1,200 square feet. So that's the biggest you're allowed to build. But it's, it's essentially just a small house. You can have as many bedrooms, bathrooms as will fit in 1,200 square feet. You know, it's, used, it's a small dwelling that you can place on your property for additional living space for your family, or you can turn it into a rental property so you can generate income within your own property. So it's going in your backyard. 
Is that right? It's most likely going in your backyard. Yeah. Going in your backyard. Yeah. I don't think there's any, I don't think you're allowed to put one in the front yard, actually, unless you're converting a garage that already exists at the front of your house. Otherwise, I do believe there are requirements that you have to put it in your backyard. Yeah. All right. So you're either going to build a little house, an ADU from scratch, or people are turning their garages into ADUs. Is that right? Yeah. People are turning their garages into ADUs. I've seen someone turn an old barn into an ADU. We had someone who turned like uh, they had a attic space kind of over the garage, but it had high ceilings. So they turned that into an ADU. You really can turn any part of your space. You can convert into an ADU. There's, you can also create a junior ADU, which is just kind of a smaller version of an ADU. The requirements are a little more strict there. It has to be attached, can only be 500 square feet, et cetera. But yeah, essentially you can carve out space that you already have that's, you know, existing that's maybe not being utilized to its maximum potential, or you can build a ground up structure as well. And okay, talk real briefly about JADU. That's the junior ADU. So in theory, is it, would it be correct to say that you have your main house, you could build up to 1200 square foot as an ADU in your backyard, and you could also do something either inside your home or in your garage, attached garage, up to 500 square feet, and that becomes your JADU. So you can almost have three like distinct living units. Is that right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. You can, as long as you build your ADU detached, then you would also be allowed to convert existing space into a JADU that is attached. In fact, the JADU has to be attached. It has to be mm. from carved out existing space. But again, you're capped out at 500 square feet. So if you wanted to do something that was attached larger than that, you'd only be allowed one unit. You'd have to classify that as an ADU. But yes, as long as you've got something attached less than 500 square feet, that can be your junior ADU and you can still build a separate structure that you can classify as your ADU. Sounds like a compound at that point. <laughs> exactly. Well, now there's also, I mean, we haven't even touched on SB9, which allows you to break up your lot if you want. You can build an additional house and mm. ADU. So yeah, you could really become your own investment developer if you wanted to, I suppose. If you're, yeah, or if you have a big extended family, right? Right, right. So let, let's talk about that. For investors, it used to be, I've done some investing, it used to be you got to buy a duplex and then you have two units or a triplex. And now, and this is since 2020, in the past, you wouldn't be able to put a home in your backyard. The best they would let you do in most places like mm -hmm. LA is to put a, a guest house and you could have guests, but it's not like you could rent it. So mm -hmm. for investors, is do you think the idea is, okay, I'm going to buy a house with the potential to put an ADU somewhere? you know, backyard or whatnot. And then maybe I could put a JADU somewhere, attached garage or something like that. And I could rent all three units or is that not possible? So there are some restrictions about owner-occupied rules, especially when it comes to the junior ADU. I believe for a separate detached ADU, if you just had an ADU and you had a house, you'd be able to rent both of those. But as far as renting all three, I believe with a junior ADU, along with that comes some requirements for an owner occupancy. I believe you would always be able to rent two of the three, but I think you have to live on site if you're trying to rent with a JADU. Gotcha. I mean, like what an amazing opportunity though. I remember like lots of first time buyers or first time investors that I've talked to, their idea is always, I'm going to buy a duplex. I'm going to live in one and rent the other. And that rental will go right. towards, you know, paying my mortgage. This is right. kind of like the same thing. And you could do it, I don't want to say everywhere, but virtually everywhere in California and LA, mm -hmm. you get your house, you either convert your garage, you put an ADU in the back, you're going to get your rental income. 
that'll pay, help pay for your mortgage. And then if you can go, if you want to go wild and build your JADU, now you have potentially two tenants on your property. You're still living on your property. You have two other tenants potentially on your property and they're both paying you rent towards your mortgage. Absolutely. Love that. Absolutely. It's also great. I love that too. I love the idea too. If you can't afford, like for me, I don't, I'm not a homeowner yet, but obviously the idea would be, man, if I could buy a property with an ADU on it, I could move into the ADU, rent the house out. Mm. (laughs) Then I'm working towards financial independence. And eventually maybe that changes. Once I can afford, I will move into the house and then rent the the ADU. But I do love the potential to kind of be able to have some rental income by taking advantage of these new laws and these opportunities. All right. So that, that's a great point. So that brings me to my next question for you. Part of your job here at Great Builds is to speak to clients that are looking to build an ADU or do a garage conversion. And I'm curious, what is the most common use case? If they're calling you and telling you they want to build an ADU and you ask them for what reason, what are the most common things you hear? The top two most common are rental. They want to, they eventually, they also would like to rent it and have some rental income. The other is for family to move. I've heard a lot of people uh, want to move their parents closer or they want to move closer to their parents. So the ADU is going to be built. They're going to move in and they can keep an eye on their parents or they want to build the ADU so their parents can move in for their retirement. They can help be close and help them, but they still have an independent living. So those are the two that I've I've most Mm. encountered. I've seen people turn it into studios, art studios classrooms for their kids if they're doing at-home learning. A lot of people are doing remote work now, so they're turning them into offices, but they like the idea that they could get a rental from it if they want. So they know that a lot of times I'll hear, oh, well, short term, it's for family. Long term is for rental possibility. So people are really keeping in mind all their options, but those are the two main ones that I've seen people using ADUs for. I mean, look, I I love the flexibility, right? I mean, absolutely. frankly, like... If I had an ADU and I got into a fight with my wife and she kicked me out of the house, you know, it could be like <laughs> you're in the doghouse, but it's not really the doghouse anymore. It's kind of nice. Right. And I would turn that into right. a man exactly. cave and then I'm not sure I'd ever go back into sure. the main house. <laughs> <laughs> You've got that college kid trying to move home. You're like, yeah, okay, but you're going to be in the backyard. Uh, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, they, they would love that. Like they yeah. live at home, but not with their parents. You know, they just pop Absolutely. in, they pop in to get snacks and laundry and then they're, you know, in their own place. Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely, especially in Los Angeles where, you know, cost of living is high. Mm. Yeah. So since cost of living is so high, I am finding a lot of speaking to a lot of clients who are parents of kids that are getting ready to leave the house and they you know, are having trouble finding a rentable property <laughs> in their budget. And so a lot of them are turning to ADUs because if they're going to spend that money, they can spend it investing in their own property. And then they have a place for those, those adult children to, again, start to get a sense of that independence without just being pushed out into the LA market. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy expensive. Do, are you seeing more people build ADUs, like just a structure from scratch or more garage conversions, would you say? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like because we've been doing this now for a few years and so the trends have changed a little bit. And I think with the change in cost, that's kind of changing the trend of who's doing what. Initially, when we first started doing these, there seems to be some financial benefits to doing a conversion versus straight a ground up construction. It tended to be that the ground up was going to be more expensive than the conversion, but now we're really kind of seeing those costs blend a little bit more and there's not that much distinction between the two as far as costs are involved. So when people hear that, they're like, oh, well, then maybe I will keep my garage for my cars or maybe I will keep my attached garage in case I want to turn it into a junior ADU later. I'll go ahead and do a ground up construction now. But it's really split, I think, 50-50 because 
again, you've got a lot of people who are like, I don't really want to give up my garage, but I want this extra space. But then mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who are like, oh, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of backyard or I want to keep my backyard space. I really don't want to infringe upon my ability to enjoy that outdoor space. So if I convert my garage, then, you know, I can still enjoy my backyard and still have this, this extra living space. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I guess, <clears throat> I guess if you're going to convert a garage, the average garage is 360 to 400 square feet. So you're going to get like a small right. I don't know, studio kind of unit, but you can obviously build up to 1200 yeah, square feet. Yeah, most are studio or one bedroom with, yeah. Small. Okay. And so let's, let's talk about the cost and financing before we jump into cost. Are most people, would you say they're getting loans? Are there good loan products for this? Are most people paying cash? What, what are you seeing out there? I, most people that I've been speaking with are getting loans or they're doing, I don't know the exact terminology, but they're doing mortgage, home mortgage loans a or refi. you know, they're uh-huh. refinancing so they can get, yeah, exactly. So I do know a lot of people that are going that route. We don't, aren't super involved with the financing process. So I don't always get a lot of details on how people are no paying for that. I don't want to pry too much. I don't want to pry too yeah. much. But no, certainly I think people are getting financing one way or another for it. Not not many people are paying cash that I've mm. seen anyway. A lot of them are having to finance either through loans or like I said, getting sort of a, a refi with through their mortgage. Again, I don't know the terminology for that. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So cost wise. Okay. So let's 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 just start uh, with the simple the simpler one, a garage conversion. You have a two-car standard garage. It's a garage and you need you want to convert it to a house. So you need, you need to run real electrical over there and sewer and water and gas. And you need to build a kitchen and put floors and drywall, lighting, all the stuff yeah. that is required to make a little house. What should someone, what could someone in LA or Southern California budget for that project? Yeah. So I think, I think first of all, it's important. All the things you mentioned are true. All the, the all, it needs all of those things. But you also keep, have to keep in mind that a garage was not built to house a person. A person, you know, it was not built for someone to live there. So a lot of the codes that are necessary and have to be met in order to be to permit that space as a livable space and to get a certificate of occupancy, it requires a lot more work than sometimes people will will understand. You know, there's foundation work that has to be done and the structure has to be more more sound for someone to be able to live there. So that's why the cost can kind of go up a little bit because it's not just like, oh, I thought it would just be like, I'm just going to put some flooring down and hang some lights. It should be no problem. Right. But there are, of course, all of these rules that have to be met in order for it to be deemed safe enough for somebody to live there. Mm-hmm. These days, we're not seeing very many conversions come in less than around 100,000. Those are kind of all in costs with materials, plans, engineering, and then obviously the construction costs themselves. Okay. I think most, I think realistically, a good ballpark is somewhere between 100 and maybe 150K. If you're just doing a straight garage conversion, you're not adding any space. A lot can depend on where the garage is located on your property. Obviously, if it's a detached structure that you're building, I'm sorry, if it's a detached garage that you're converting, the sewer has to be tied into the main line. It can't just be tied into the house. So if your garage is set back at the back of your property or something, and you have to run that line really far, that could increase the costs. But if you know you just got a garage next to your house like normal, then it's not that much different if you were going to be tying it into the house. Mm-hmm. But that's really kind of the range that we're seeing. Plans, you can you can obviously hire a contractor to do plans and construction, or you can go with an architect first, who you pay directly. And then you can use those plans to shop around to, to contractors to get estimates. The plans are usually somewhere between, I would say, four and $10,000, depending on uh, you know the architect that you hire, how complicated the structure and the changes are. And that usually includes engineering, having an engineer come in and, and provide the structural calculations and stuff as well. Gotcha. So kind of a basic garage conversion, you can get it done. If you don't not, not expect a whole lot of whatever, you're not building it for the queen, maybe a hundred K 
and the, and the, the nicer you want it, the more <laughs> stuff that is required. You, you might be closer to 125, 150. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to take things into consideration that other construction projects would as well. Contractors are going to charge more if the job site is complicated, if it's difficult to work with because of many reasons. It's difficult for their guys to park or it's hard to keep materials on site or machinery to get to where it needs to be. So they take those things to account as well. Just like any job that you would have, you know, at your home, those things are taken into account when they're bidding. But yeah, that's a good, that's a good ballpark that we've been seeing for a lot of our garage conversions. All right. And now let's talk new construction. So there's nothing. You want to build something in your backyard. I'd say most most ADUs are probably single story, although I know some people are going two story and that can be a little more expensive. But you want to just briefly walk us through what people can expect when they're building, I don't know, six to eight to a thousand square, six to eight hundred to a thousand square feet. Yeah. So if we're talking about a size similar to a garage conversion, so if we're talking about four to six hundred square feet, the costs can be similar, slightly higher. You know, you might be looking at something like 130 to 180 instead. If you want like a price per square foot cost involved, it really kind of varies contractor to contractor and again, site to site. But roughly we're seeing costs for new construction, for new ADUs around $350 to $450 a square foot. Obviously the larger the square footage, the lower that square foot price is. So if you are only building 700 square feet, 600 square feet, that might be accurate. If you're building 1200 square feet, then you might be on the lower range of that. But you're right. Two stories are a lot more expensive. Mm. Some contractors don't even want to do two stories. There's a lot more that has to be done, obviously, to build up. There's a lot more framing and foundation work that's needed. It's a costlier project. So that tends to be on the, on the higher end. And then I would put that probably closer to maybe 450 to 550 a square foot, maybe even 600. But that's wow. We hope not. <laughs> we hope not. Whenever yeah. I see the estimates, I'm always like, OK, well, Let's let's hope this is on the lower end of this range that we're giving people. Just things are getting more expensive. I mean, we hear it all the time, yeah. right? Inflation and yeah, lumber absolutely. and gas is coming down and, though. Well, that, <laughs> that's right. That's good. Hey, we got <laughs> to start something good. Yeah. And I feel like, I think what happened was too, that the contractors kind of got a glimpse once they started doing these projects that it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of work for them. They're on site for quite a while. There's a lot of inspections that are needed throughout the process. So it's a lot of interaction with the city. If you're talking about just pulling a permit over the counter to do a bathroom remodel, it's very different than, again, creating a livable structure. There's more interaction with the city. There's more code requirements and things like that. So it's a lot of work for the contractors. And so I think that that is taken into account as well. I mean, look, the good news is you're building a house. You're going to get a little house on your property. That's amazing. The bad news is exactly. you're building a, you're building exactly. a house. You got right. that's, a, that's, a, that's <laughs> right. not a small project. That's not a DIY. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, no matter what the costs are, you're still going to generate, you're either going to generate the income from the rental property or you're going to increase the value of your property merely because you're adding all of this livable square footage. I'll tell you, I built, I took a garage. Um, this is in LA in the Lake Balboa area. I took a garage and expanded it, a detached garage on a property I have and created an ADU. It turned it into 750 square feet. It's a two bedroom, one bath, obviously with a little kitchen. And gosh, we get $2,600 a month in rent for for that little guy. So yeah, it's not a bad investment. Exactly. Back to what we were saying though, like you're building a house. This is no joke. This is not a shed. It's not a garage. You're building a, a unit, like an apartment, a studio, a house. I don't think you want to DIY something like that unless you are extremely handy. You could also play general contractor and build it as you being the general contractor. 
But I always say that in that case, you have to know every sub that you need. You need a foundation sub and a framing sub, an electrical sub and a drywall sub and a stucco sub and a lighting sub. You know, you need, you probably need 15 different subs. I don't know that many people. At least. Right. That, that no roofing, right. Versus our, I think you would recommend just find and hire Hire. a a good general (laughs) contractor that does ADUs and spend the money to do that because you know your house will be done right. Yeah. I mean, you cannot DIY this project. There's no, unless you are a general contractor, you cannot DIY this project. (laughs) I just can't imagine somebody being like, I'm going to go dig the footings 12 feet into my backyard. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, it's just, it's pretty, it's a really, it's a, it's an arduous process. And I would be surprised if anyone was able to do it on their own DIY. And you're right. You could be your own general and hire subs to come in. But again, it's a busy market in Los Angeles. And those subs, they work, a lot of the subcontractors work with general contractors. And if they're working with a general contractor who brings them regular business, they are going to be more inclined to be where that general contractor needs them to be than to necessarily be on your project that doesn't necessarily mean as much to them, right? It may be harder for you to get the guys you need when you need them and have them show up when they're supposed to, when they have no ties to you otherwise. So unless you already have established relationships with subcontractors, that's another thing to keep in mind is you may be at the back of their list as far as priorities when it comes time to do the work that's needed. That's not to say you can't, you absolutely yeah. can, but it's it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of time. And it's kind of, you know, how much time, how much is time worth to you, right? If you have nothing else to do and then by all means, but most of us don't have that luxury. We, and uh, even some of the contractors are pulling their hair out at times during this process. So I can't imagine someone who didn't regularly do construction being able to do this without questioning their lives at some point. I would say it's a full-time job if you want to do it and you better hire a therapist sure. and you better hire a therapist because you're going to need it. <laughs> and I hope you're not married because that <laughs> relationship may not work out because <laughs> you're about to get divorced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's say you're smart about this and you hire a, or you want to hire a reliable ADU general contractor. The great belts, we, you know, we have a process for vetting contractors. So how, how would you recommend someone goes about finding and screening the right contractor for an ADU project? Sure. Well, I mean, I recommend they just call us because again, we can do that all that for them. Here at Great Builds, we do all the screening and introduce you to only contractors who um, kind of meet those requirements and we know have a history of doing good work. Uh, If somebody said, listen, I don't want to use your service. I want to do it on my own. I would say, then there's a lot of stuff that you need to be prepared to do. You need to make sure that you have their license information to check and make sure their license is clean, that they have an active bond they have workers' compensation. We um, recommend that everyone make sure that a general contractor has general liability insurance. It's not a legal requirement in the state of California, but it is a helpful benefit to help protect you should something happen. It's more of a protection for the contractors, but that trickles down to benefiting you as well should something go wrong. We recommend you, ha- you, you have to speak with references. You have to speak with multiple references. We would suggest maybe asking for photos of a project or even visiting a project on site. We run a background check. Obviously, that's not as easy for every person to do that. But as much background as you can find out about the person, the better. You really want to establish a history of of repeated good work and coming in on budget, on time, and making sure that the clients are satisfied. Really dig into the questions. You know, obviously, if you call a reference that this contractor has given you the phone number for, in all likelihood, they know they're going to be a positive referral. So really make sure that you're digging into questions that the client has to answer that will really give you a full sense of what their experience was like. So things like that. What else? I mean, online, you can find a lot of information now. So let me ask you this. What is the danger in just taking the lowest bid? Now you meet three contractors and 
one of them's 150, the other one's 130 and explains to you why, but then there's a guy that can do it for 85. What do you, what, what, what would be your first thought? My first thought is he's not being fully transparent about the situation. Either he is underbidding and just telling you what you want to hear so that you'll hire him. And then guess what? The project starts two weeks later. He's like, oh no, uh, it's going to be 20,000 more for this part or whatever, you know? So that's one tactic that bad contractors will use to land a project is they'll underbid it knowing full well, they can't do the project for that price, but that they will hit you with change orders later that will raise the price to what the other contractors are probably bidding. So you really want to try to, when you're comparing those estimates, understanding what's included in each of those and getting that in writing. Because you can, if you're comparing an estimate that's 150 to 130, you know, that's not that far off. That could literally just be, that's how much that contractor charges. But if you have a broken down estimate that you can compare side by side, these are tools that we can also help provide here. We, you know, we have worksheets that we can help provide to clients where they can literally sit down with their estimates and just make sure the flooring, is there an allowance for all of the materials or are they paying for those? Have they discussed any possible surprise costs? Because, you know, with ADUs, sometimes a garage may not be fully in the books how it is built. Some of these were built in the 20s, and so they don't have blueprints for them. They don't know how deep the footings are necessarily. So are there any surprise costs is what you could also propose to to these contractors. Once you start opening, is there anywhere you think you might find something that maybe costs more? But the lowest bid is, is dangerous. They may not have the requirements. They may be using illegal workers or they have no intention to finish the project. They, you know, they could start the project, take your few take your first couple payments and then bail on the project. So we always warn clients about the lowest, lowest bid that that it usually is for a reason. And yeah. that most people tend to go with a bid that comes in the middle for that exact reason. But you really have to put the work in to make sure that who you're going with is a good fit. They have a history of doing good work. And that really that your contract is fully inclusive of all of those details, because whatever you're not, whatever you don't have in writing is super vague and can be interpreted differently later. So you really want to make sure that you think about each room that you're adding to an ADU and what might be in there, right? In a bathroom, you're going to have a mirror and lighting and accessories like towel bars and toilet paper holders. You're going to have a toilet. You're going to have maybe an exhaust fan. You're going to have maybe heated floors. You want to have a shower, you know, so think about all of those things and are all of those things discussed in the bid? Because that's where the, that you can, you can find discrepancies and really kind of weed out which estimates really, you know, honest or where those actually come in final numbers. Or the alternative is you can pretend you're a reality TV star on an HGTV show and the contractor will find something wrong with your remodel (laughs) in the middle and tell you that, no, this wall can't, you know, we can't take this wall down (laughs) because it's got, I don't know. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Those shows are ridiculous. I can't stand. I like those shows too, but when they get to that point where they're like, (laughs) right. Oh no. Oh no. We've got this problem that's been fabricated. It's just, it's so obvious. Your roof isn't going to work because. Oh man. Sorry. So sorry. So sorry. That's That's the, isn't that the plot twist? Like every show has to have a plot twist. That is the only plot twist they can ever come up with on those TV shows, on those HGTV shows. I guess I, that's so funny. What was the one I was just watching? I was just watching one of these shows and it was literally formulaic. It was, uh, they come in and do a renovation in one day. They have like 10 hours, 12 hours, something like that. The people don't know supposedly, right? There's cameras in their car, but somehow they don't know (laughs) that this is happening. Um, And, but every time they'd be like, how are we going to, how are we going to get this window to the second floor? And they go, oh, let's do this whole trial where they pretend like they're like airlifting 
a window in Whoa. and they just smash it into a wall and things like that. Aww. Like it's so obviously contrived. It's so funny. But it's just I, for, to me, I'm like, do we need this? Do we need this drama? I'm fine with not having it. <laughs> you know, what's funny, though, is I was just thinking about this is like those people for whom they're renovating the homeowners, the reality yeah. TV they're pretty good actors. Like, like someone's telling them, and here's what's going to happen next. And so pretend you're surprised and they do a pretty good job of it. They're like, Oh, really? They do a pretty good job. It's pretty true. Good. Yeah. They're... It's true. It's true. I wonder if they take acting <laughs> classes before they, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not their first yeah. take. That's true. Multiple takes. Absolutely. And maybe they don't know a lot of this stuff. Right. I mean, cause I'm like, they don't know exactly what's happening. Maybe, you know, but certainly they know more than they're letting on because again, there's oh. cameras in the car. Oh, for sure. You had to go to your sister's pool for 12 hours today. <laughs> like that's suspicious. Oh, for sure. <laughs> they're like, Joe, that was, your acting was really good on take number 253. Let's, let's, let's stick with that one. <laughs> Can um, you try it again not looking directly at the camera? <laughs> can you shed a tear? Try, can you try to cry? Yeah, exactly. How about this for a show idea for a, a twist? They do the reveal. They do the reveal. And the homeowners get to come in with a sledgehammer. And whatever they don't like, they just beat the shit out of. <laughs> <laughs> with their sledgehammer. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's great. Thank you, Steph, for all that um, that information. Is there anything I missed? I think we covered a lot of good ADU information. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we talked about timing much. I mean, timing of of how long it takes. Yeah, we I don't know do if that. people are interested in that because I think I think it can be underestimated a little bit. You know, you got to make sure you got some time to to do this if you want a rental tomorrow. It's you know, it's out of the question. You got to be prepared for you know a few months for approvals for plan approvals. It takes a little bit for the architect to create those plans and they got to submit them and wait for the approvals. Different jurisdictions have different timing. You may be in, if you're in an incorporated city, they may be less backlogged than let's say LA city, or they may be more backlogged. Different areas of Los Angeles are taking different at different paces when it comes to approvals. So, but you could expect to see the wait time for that anywhere from three to like nine months. Only a rare occasions have I seen it take longer than nine months for approvals. Those are usually for specific circumstances. Maybe they're in a high fire area, a historical preservation area, something like that. If you have an HOA, sometimes there's a few more hurdles you have to jump through there. So that's what you can expect. Expect approvals for the plans to take anywhere from three to nine months. And then the construction itself will take anywhere from, again, probably around three to nine months. Again, there's been a few instances where that's taken longer, but again, it's usually because of things have come up on the job site once they're going that have slowed things down. So, yeah. So, okay, great. Yeah, thank you for that. So, look, ADUs seem like a pretty significant trend here in LA and California. There's lots of uses for them. People are using them as investments, you know, mm. to turn, they can essentially turn any single family property into what essentially is a duplex. Right. And it seems to me that the trend is just continuing. Like for the last few years that you've been doing this, am I correct that like every year there just seems to be more and more demand for this? Absolutely. Because, you know, demand for space in a place like Los Angeles is tough. There aren't empty lots, you know, just around that you can increase the value of your property and increase the space, the livable space. So this is a really great opportunity for people who have the means to do it, but have, you know, they've got the space. So you might as well. I mean, it's hard to find uh, affordable living in Los Angeles. And this is a way to help provide that for your own family. And you're always going to return an investment on this type of project. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's kind of a no brainer again, if you're able to do it. 
All right. If someone wants to learn more about doing it at their home or they need to, they have a client that wants to do ADUs and they want to refer them somewhere for more information, what's, um, what's a good place to, to find uh, more detail about ADUs and, and, and also how do they reach you if they want to talk to you? Yeah. So they can check out our website, greatbuilds.com. And we have a lot of articles that we've written about ADUs that can help answer a lot of questions. If they want to reach out to us, we are happy to provide additional information. We actually have a whole email already that we have put together with a lot of information for ADUs. There's links to the actual ordinance, FAQs, cost-saving tips, tips for financing. There's a grant that the state of California provides for pre-construction costs. So that would be anything leading up to construction to help cover plans if you live in a particularly difficult area where you need grading reports and topographical surveys and things like that, uh, that grant will help cover those things. So you can reach out to us. You can give us a call at 818-317-3567. You can also email me at stephanie at greatbuilds.com. Um, we're happy to answer anyone's questions, uh, you know, provide as much information as we can. It's a, it's a big decision. And so we want to make sure you have all of the information so that you can make the most informed decision. Awesome. Thank you, Steph. Appreciate all your insights. Thanks for being with us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Uh Thank you very much for having me. Well done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah with Glen Oaks Escrow. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.